Daddy's Beard, the Gay Dad Podcast with Alex Megan and Young Daniel. Did you see the U-Haul truck? Yeah. It's a new neighbor. Yeah, are they are they hot or something? What are you trying to say? He's gay. I think that's the most important thing because you know you know my fear. I'm yes. afraid I'm yes. afraid that uh, our neighborhood will be less gay. Yes, it is less gay. Yes, but uh, not with this one. Well, good. He's very twinky. Hello, gay. Welcome to the neighborhood, gay. <laughs> and welcome to all of you Hello. listening to Daddy Square. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Daddy Square, the Gay Dads Podcast. I'm Jan. And I'm Alex. And we want to talk about air conditioning. Yeah. How's that? Uh, it's a good opener, because I, actually. I, I just asked Alex to uh, turn the air conditioning off. Yes. Because it, it doesn't matter why. Noise. It doesn't yeah, matter it doesn't why. Matter. What matters is my wonderful husband and I have been together uh, for 12 years, married for fa- five, four, so 12, seven, eight. And during those 12 years, one of the most consistent sources of friction between us has been air conditioning. My husband was born apparently on the surface of the sun. And if he caught fire and there were flames coming off of his head, he'd say, I'm still cold. So, yes. So I live in the licking flames of hell all the time, and he sits comfortably. That's <laughs> my funny. perception of our relationship. I have this thing, apparently, that all of my... Thank God the air conditioning is off now. Um, that all of my ex-boyfriend as well are like, we're all about... You know, the air conditioning. I remember yeah, they that probably my, stood their ground, so I had you a, dumped them. I had a, like a three-year relationship with my ex-boyfriend, and it was like during the summer, he used yeah. to sleep with a fan on his face, literally yeah. on his face, because it was it was not supposed to hit me. And he'd say, if we ever break up, it would be over air conditioning. Well, granted, it wasn't about that, but... Don't be you know. so sure. Don't be so sure. I will tell you that, that when we lived together in Tel Aviv, smack in the middle of summer in the baking heat, I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would peel my naked body off of the, the bed where there would be a silhouette in sweat of my body and I would turn to the left and I'd see my husband wrapped up in a feathered comforter in July. Well, that's what you get when you grow up in the desert, right? <laughs> Nothing is uh, is good enough. Yeah, There's well, not enough heat in the sun to actually warm me. Is there in English such a thing like air conditioning flu? Air uh, conditioner flu? There isn't such a thing in any language. No, there is. <laughs> In Israel, they call it air conditioning flu during the summer because you're in the office and yeah. the office like full of air conditioning all the time. So you get like a snuffy nose. It's in that. the 1970s in Philadelphia, there was a thing called Legionnaire's disease, which actually killed a lot of people. But that is not what you're talking about. It's, so, the, air, it's the air conditioner. Okay. That is good. I read about this amazing idea. What's that? A gay dad named Dan. He's from Hawaii. He came up with this idea for his daughter because there was not enough um, gay dads around. Mm-hmm. So he asked at the gay dads group if there's another gay dad with a seven-year-old so they can actually do like become pen pals. Oh, like video pen pals? No, oh. snail mail oh. pen pals. How amazing is that, that? Is. I thought it's like the best idea ever. That's you great. know why? Because when I was a kid, I used to have like... 40 or 50 pen pals from all over the world and this is actually how I learned English so they use I used to mostly Kylie Minogue fans right right so your English is therefore a little bit suspect for kids I think there's such an amazing um, writing a letter and sending it in the mail and like getting an actual envelope I mean kids don't get these days envelopes it's actually right? really an interesting point I mean I think that there is a certain beauty in that way of packaging up a message and delivering it to somebody and how slow it is and how it sort of slows down the communication the type of page on which you decide right. to write like, there's so many like wonderful creative decisions that you can make on this process that I thought that I really want to do it with our kids when they grow up a little bit. I think and that's great. And you know, it's, it's in an age where we're typing everything, basically, and I see kids like going with laptops yep. to, to school. So that can be a great way to actually practice writing, I uh, love especially it. for little kids. So mark it down. I'm, I'm putting it on, on our calendar for like four years from now to find a pen pal. If you guys have a three-year-old, 
Here he is writing. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm writing down something else, but go ahead. If you guys have kids that right now in 2019 are three or four year olds, mark it. Maybe our kids can be pen pals. Today we're going to talk about uh, interfaith families, and we brought an interfaith couple, Ferd and Brian. Ferd is Catholic, and Brian is Jewish, and together they're also uh, the founders of gayswithkids.com which our podcast is a part of and a partner of. This was a good interview. It was very interesting to see the way their uh, relationship came together around this issue. You know, there are couples for whom religion just goes away. There is no religion, um, and therefore there's really not much of an issue. But in their case, uh, both of them either came from a background where their religion mattered, and so they have found a way to make their relationship and their raising of their children work in that context. And I thought that was very special and interesting to hear. Whether you have a religion or you consider yourself an atheist, it kind of surfaces when you want to have kids because you you talk about it. You at least think about it. What kind of environment uh, do you want your kids to grow up in? And I think that for us, even though both of us are Jewish, and I want to adopt the I was raised Jewish. You can adopt it all you want. For me, it matters less. The whole Judaism and the, the religion and the customs that uh, revolves around God and all of the prayers and, and everything. And for Alex, not for religion matters, right? But for cultural matters. Mm-hmm. It is important. Yeah. We talked about it. I know that there are some things, for example, that I didn't care about. For example, I didn't care about whether or not they're going to go to Jewish school. Yeah. For Alex, it was important. So we decided to eventually send them to Jewish school. But it's surprising, even though people are expecting that because I'm from Israel, that I should be Jewish and I should care about it. The surprise thing is that most Israelis and especially gay, gay Israelis don't care about yeah. it. Yeah, well, that's true. Relatively to American Jews. That's true. Anyway, so um, we're gonna we're gonna hear the interview with Brian and Ferd, and we come back and highlight some of the issues that uh, they talked about. Yes, um, sponsorship. We're very lucky to have one of those Circle Surrogacy, who has been our sponsor this season. Are you ready to become a dad? Yes. <laughs> That's not fair. Wait, we have to read it as we've written. Oh, really? Yeah, well, no, we don't really have to. I'm sure can we I, won't. Can I do like a background vocal? Yeah, you can do. No. No. I'm going to be the audience. Okay. Okay, ready? Okay, ready? Okay. okay. Are you ready to become a dad? Yes. <laughs> surrogacy is a wonderful way to grow your family. Ooh. Circle Surrogacy was founded by a gay dad. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Is it hot? <laughs> yeah, I think he's pretty hot. Dad through surrogacy and has been helping gay singles and couples become parents for over 20 years. Yay! Because surrogacy is an emotional and financial investment, cha-ching, cha-ching, finding the right agency to partner with you and support you on your journey is very important. Circle Surrogacy believes that everyone should have the opportunity to be a parent. Everyone. Learn more at circlesurrogacy.com. Circle. That wasn't me, actually. It was Ben. Yeah. Figured that out. So um, now, Brian and Ferd. Yes. Hello to Brian and Ferd. Hey, guys. Hi. Ferd is a Dutch name. What's the origin of the name? I'm originally from Holland. I don't know if my name is really Dutch. I think it's more German. Got it. We're talking today about religion and especially households that has two religions. So Brian is Jewish and Ferd is Christian. Uh, Catholic. I should say I was raised Catholic. I I know what that means. I've heard that before. (laughs) Maybe the two of you could just take a moment to give us a little background on how you were raised and how you've lived as, as adults. I was born and raised in Holland. My mom and dad were Catholic. Actually, my dad was uh, Protestant, Dutch Reformed, um, but he converted to Catholicism in order to marry my mom. And uh, religion was quite an important thing in their life uh, and in my early life. Um, We went to Catholic school. Uh, We, I mean, um, my siblings and I, I was planning to become a priest, but 
uh, fortunately, I found out that the urge to become a priest was actually just the urge to be gay. So that never happened, but I uh, studied Latin and Greek and was um, fully uh, intending to go to seminary until I reached the age of 18 or something. And I realized, no, 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 big mistake. And so since then, uh, you may not be uh, a priest or studying for the priesthood, but uh, are you a, are you a churchgoer? Do you have sort of a, a tie to the culture? How religious are you? Okay, that's another way of asking the same. I lost my faith early on in my adulthood, but I'm still very much attracted to, uh, uh, to Catholicism. I read everything that I see. I have nothing but good memories of my Catholic upbringing. Shall we switch over to Brian? I grew up uh, being you know, very proud of my heritage. Um, my father was not a religious man at all, but he was a very proud Jew. Uh, he grew up outside of Boston, and he and his Jewish friends were constantly having to defend themselves with their fists. So he made sure that his kids were very proud to be who we were. That said, I went to Hebrew school um, and then had my bar mitzvah and stopped Hebrew school. And I go to temple twice a year for the high holidays. Got it. Uh, I would say I'm very much what, you know, many people define, describe as a cultural Jew. I went to Jewish summer camp um, and getting together on the holidays and eating the traditional food is really important. To me, um, and uh, you know, I've been to Israel, and I'm uh, yeah, just very proud of, of my heritage, but I'm not a, a religious person. Well, it, it sounds like there's a, certainly a commonality there between the two of you. You know, started from different mm -hmm. uh, directions, but culturally tied uh, to to your backgrounds. Tell us a little bit about your kids. Sure. So Levi is going to be 10 uh, next month. And then we have twin girls who are eight and a half. They, uh, I think we're raising them Jewishly. I want them to have that same sense of pride um, and comfort around Jewish people, the Jewish traditions that I hadn't had. So they're going to Hebrew school, they'll be by business. Um, you know, they'll, they'll go to Israel, um, celebrate all the holidays, uh, and they, they know full well that the daddy is Jewish and my whole family is Jewish and Papa is not. How do you decide, though? I had more of a pull towards, uh, to me, it's really important that uh, we bring more Jews into this world, not fewer, because there are with mixed marriages like mine, uh, we tend to lose a lot more Jews than other religions. And so it's really important to me that I was able to help keep our tradition our, our way, you know, alive. Um, and uh, again, I really love a lot of our traditions in the holidays, et cetera. So that was important to me. Spurred, as you described it, it's a lapsed Catholic. We, we never considered raising our kids Catholic because I'm not Catholic and Brian is not. So for a while, I knew Brian really uh, had a strong pull towards his Jewish background. And I, I don't want to say Jewish faith. I don't think he has much of that, but his Jewish background. And when we got kids, I told Brian, because if we want to raise our kids Jewishly, he will have to be the person to lead the way so to speak. Right. So I told Brian, you know what? I'll give you six months to start something. Uh, <laughs> All right. For six months to start something. Um, and if you haven't done anything yet, then it probably means that it's really not as important as you think it was. Um, then maybe we can consider becoming Buddhist or something. Wait, uh, so did this really long, happen? Long story. Yeah, it happened. <laughs> <laughs> it did. So we had heard it say, 
that I would have to take the initiative. Okay. Um, and I could just say it didn't happen in six months. It happened in about seven years. Well, so um, what What were the first, uh, I mean, I heard that they, they go to Hebrew school, but what were the first steps correct. that you made in terms of, you know, injecting Judaism into their lives? <laughs> Shall I take a sign? Go, uh, go ahead. On Levi's eighth day in this world, he received a bris, the Jewish ritual of circumcision, and the girls got the uh, equivalent for girls, which is a, a baby naming. It was a, a great experience. Um, the the moil that the, the person who uh, who performed the bris at the end, he said this was a perfect bris, a perfect circumcision. Everybody was crying except for Levi. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it should be. Yeah, I wanna. Take you back again to that uh, first conversation. When did it take place? Before the kids were born, after? Well, Levi, we found out about Levi three days after he was born. So Levi uh, changed up there to adoption, the girls to surrogacy. So we didn't even have the conversation before he was born because we weren't expecting a child. Um, but it happened, you know, as soon as we... As soon as we brought him home from the hospital, you just knew that he was going to have a break. It I, wasn't even uh, a question. You obviously decided together that you were going to have kids. Uh, they didn't just mm-hmm. pop into your living room. Did you have a conversation at the time that you decided to have kids that said, hey, how are we going to raise them based on our yeah. our multiple faiths? How did that conversation work out? Yeah. I, well, I don't remember having a very in-depth conversation. I think... Uh, I did not want to be a member of um, the Catholic Church, so neither would my kids be. And for Brian, it was always clear he was a very proud and very Jewish Jew. Um, were your parents, both of you, alive uh, before the kids were born? My, my dad passed away about five years before Levi was born. But my, my mom is still alive. And I see. Was, uh, and so did you guys have any kinds of discussions with your parents about the about this same issue? Or did they have opinions that they, uh, you know, <clears throat> made known? I was raised in Harlem. It used to be a very religious country, one half Catholic, one half Protestant. But in the 60s, most Dutch collectively lost their faith. And now it's a very, very secular country. The Dutch and Jews are very, very different people. In the Dutch tradition, you leave your kids alone. They're adults. They're responsible for making their own decisions and uh, you know, making their way in this world. <laughs> in the Jewish culture, that's not at all what happened. Uh, yeah, you, <laughs> just des- <laughs> you just described that, and, and I didn't even understand those words when you put them together. What do you mean you leave your children alone? You have to dominate and control them until they're dead. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. After we got married in Toronto in 2013, and my mom was there, we had a Jewish ceremony. Um, after we were married, my mom asked, so did you become Jewish now or not? That's how completely unimportant wow. that is, that she never asked me that question until she was right. there and she realized, oh, this is very Jewish. Are you Jewish now? I said, no. So, so I will say about Ferd, when I told you that uh, Jewish food and traditions are very important to me, he actually knows and can cook. He makes the best mustard ball soup. He makes <laughs> the best Passover cake. Coach for Passover, yes. Ferd, why did you come cross over all the way, though, if you're that Jewish? I like the, the, the cultural side of it, but mm-hmm. I do not believe there's a God. So that, that part is I just um, completely ignore. We also have some Catholic Christian traditions in the house. It's mostly, actually not because it's me, but because one of our daughters, Katie, really loved the holiday, Christmas, 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 Christmas. Okay. She loved Christmas and she loved Easter. Mm-hmm. And, and she asked, Months before it's the holidays, yes. are we going to get a tree? Are we going to get uh, decorations, etc., uh, etc.? Et right. So we do those, yes. And we do more than that, sir. We also, on Christmas, sir, uh, get together something from his childhood. We get a uh, plate with special pastries and breads and foods, a special fun meal that the kids love. They have presents waiting for them. Um, on Easter, he gets chocolate eggs. So they, I mean, they would know about these holidays. Anyways, but we're, we're, I hope we're giving them a little bit uh, of a reason to, uh, you know, feel good about them as well. What was the name of your daughter who wanted the tree? 
Yeah. Do you feel like she's like more drawn into Christianity or is it just that tree that was the request? I don't think our kids know anything really about Christianity. They don't hear it from us. We never talk to them about God. When they ask, I'll say, yes, some people believe this, but I don't. So I, I don't think you can say that our kids are drawn to Christianity because they really don't have a concept of what that is. Haven't been always in Jewish schools. Do they have a view on religion, though? Because, you know, they probably hear, if not from you, from, you know, other places. And they come home with questions from time to time about God, about dying, about heaven, that type of thing. Yeah. And I try to answer them as sexually as possible. Right. So my dad just passed away about a month ago. Um, and so lots of questions. And I'll be honest, I'm not even sure with the Jewish, like, I don't know enough about that myself. And so... I think Ferd and I, when she was asking us, when the kids were asking us questions, we were just saying things that sort of made us feel comfortable and were certainly child-age appropriate, but I'm sure it wasn't a Jewish response and it wasn't a Catholic response. I'd like to ask a, a kind of out-of-left-field question. So what happens when one of your kids comes home and says, I've really been... Uh, thinking about this a lot. They may be a lot young for it now, but I've really been thinking about this a lot. And um, I want to be, let's say, I want to be baptized. And I really would like to find my way inside the, the church, the Catholic church. I think the way that would likely happen if they find a significant other who is very religious. I, I don't think there would be any other reason to happen, but will I be disappointed? Yes. But we're going to support and love our kids and let them make their own decisions and live their lives the way they want to live as long as they're not hurting anyone. Who better than gay guys to understand how important it is to value um, you know, our kids living their authentic lives. What happens when one of your kids come home and he has truly found Judaism in a very, very religious sense? That Same. would almost be worse for me. Right. That's why I asked the question, man. Yeah. So I have relatives. My whole, my father's sister, her whole family, four kids, all became very religious after my grandparents passed away. Um, and, you know, they are not, they don't think very kindly of uh, the LGBTQ community. Um, I, I went years without talking to any of my relatives. We've been sort of, you know, moved on and passed it and every everyone has sort of forgotten about what happened. But um, yeah, here's the thing. If it was like girls, I would feel bad because I know that, you know, women are not considered equal citizens. And I want each of my kids to be an equal partner in any relationship. And I want them each to be able to do whatever they want to do and not be thought um, by you know, someone else's idea of preconceived notions of what they can and cannot do. Uh, you guys founded together gayswithkids.com? Yes. Mm-hmm. Tell me how it came about. Sure. So we launched Gays with Kids five years ago in March 2014. Levi was born May 23rd, 2009. We found out that uh, he was born three days after he was born, and then we picked him up from the hospital two days later. On the day between that, uh, we were living in Manhattan at the time. We said, oh, my God, we don't have anything. We need to go get some stuff to be prepared. <laughs> so we went to the big retail store, um, Bye Bye Baby, and you know, we said, this is going to sound crazy, guys, but we know nothing and have nothing, and tomorrow we're taking home a five-day-old baby boy. <laughs> and so they walked us around the store. And, you know, they were very nice and friendly. We were there for three hours and spent way more money than we needed to. But as we were walking around, I couldn't help but notice how many clothes, products, toys, accessories had labels on them that said things like money tested, money approved. And I remember at some point looking over at Ferd and only half jokingly said, are we not supposed to be buying this stuff because right. we're not moms? Um, soon as, as soon as we took Levi home, you know, we were faced with whatever any new parents is faced with all the challenges and issues and, and milestones, et cetera. However, I realized that we also went through some unique challenges or issues um, or just 
experiences that I think chiropractic can go through. So, for example, I came out many, many years ago, and everyone in my life knows they're gay. And all of a sudden, you know, we were having to come out all the time. The pediatrician, the wow. daycare center, the parents of other kids in the daycare center where we went out for dinner or to a birthday party. Uh, and you know, we just have to be very, very comfortable about making sure people understood that no, mom's not at home. This is not that day, a mom's day off. Uh, our son doesn't have a mom. He has two dads who absolutely adore him. And so really those two elements, so the fact that um, the parenting industry presumed that moms are solely responsible for raising the children and the fact that I realized we had some unique experiences, made uh, me realize that there was a need for gays with kids. I would say that was really the birth of gays with kids. However, what we didn't tell you is that before Levi, we thought we were adopting a six-month-old baby boy. And after a few months, that didn't happen. The birth mom decided that she didn't want to leave her baby. And so we were left um, thinking, okay, I guess we're not going to come to parents through adoption, so we'll try surrogacy. We signed the contract and gave a deposit oh, no. um, the surrogacy agency three days before Levi was before we got the call about Levi being wow. born. Um, <sighs> and so we had this infant Levi, and then we started our we slowed it down as much as we could, but we still started our journey for surrogacy. So I was working full time, and we had one baby at home, and we were making two more. So there's no time for me to do anything about this idea that I had that I wanted to be able to connect with other gay dads. And it wasn't until four years later when our kids were all out of diapers and they were going to daycare or school um, that I said, oh, let me see if, there, if there's anything out there now. There must be. And I was quite surprised in 2013 to see that there was still really nothing out there for gay men interested in fatherhood or gay dads. And so we said, let's launch Gays with Kids. You guys, I, I want you to help other couples who kind of struggle with the whole religion thing. Like, what do you think should be the negotiations if we have like two separate religion backgrounds? What's your opinion about it? How they should come to talk about it and what should be discussed? Well, I'll stop by saying that I think what you just said is the biggest point is that they need to discuss it and they should talk about it up front before they become dads and there should be, there should be some kind of agreement. I think that's, you know, so often in relationships uh, when they fall apart or when there are big challenges, it's because of a lack of communication. So it's, it's really important uh, to, to have the conversations up front and, uh, and, and to come to agreement uh, about what they're going to do with that. I guess that, you know, through your um, work with gayswithkids.com, you probably encountered other uh, multi-faith couples. Sure. We've certainly come by dad to both love, you know, their various holidays and traditions, and so they, they celebrate them both. And then the idea is that the children get a good understanding or background on both religions, and uh, someday we'll get to make uh, their choice about what they want to do when they're adults. I guess is though, that, yeah. that I'm, when you're a single person looking for a partner and your religion is really, really important for you, I would imagine that you would then would primarily look for your partner uh, in the pool of people who have the same religion as you do. That's why the religious Jews only or in congregate with other uh, Orthodox Jews. If it's not, it's not very important to you, the chances are, I think, that you will find someone who has a different religion you do. We talked sure. about what to do, like if you're a couple from a different faith background. Do you have any recommendation about what not to do? Well, I think it's certainly important that you don't try to, uh, especially if you've got a really strong foundation of your own religious background, It's important that you don't um, try to minimize or make yours sort of more important than your partners and that you uh, I think you're willing to compromise right marriage and partnerships are all about there's a lot of compromise that happens and uh, this is certainly one of those areas I think in which compromise is likely 
Do you think that there is ever a scenario where despite um, what Ferd has said and what he feels, that he might still feel some uh, regret uh, that your children will grow up with more of, Brian, your cultural background than Ferd's? Now you have to answer the question separately while the other isn't listening. Go ahead. Um, I'm absolutely certain that he does not feel that way. Um, When we were going... Into surrogacy, we we both um, you know immediately said, well, you know, I only have biological children. If they're biological offspring of you, I'm going to be very very happy. And so we knew immediately, you know, we didn't need to have that extra connection. And and Bird very close. Like I said, he <laughs> I, I think he bonds with them often in the, in the Jewish connection as well with the food, etc. But. Right. I, I don't think he, he, we just don't feel that way at all. There's never any sense of like, it's more Brian's than it is mine. Um, that's, I would say absolutely not. And, you know, he, he no, hangs out with my, course, my, my family, my, my background is uh, in Holland. It's in, 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 in Europe. And I made a conscious decision a long time ago. I preferred living here over living in Holland. And so, yes, you see my, they love my family. But we don't see them nearly as often as we see Brian's family. We are so much more in touch with the Brian's relatives and with Brian's home country, uh, the United States, especially the Jewish centers there in New York City and Boston and Miami and Boca, et cetera. Oh, uh, Boca. Oh, yeah, Boca. <laughs> oh, yes. ground zero. So, um, yes. So, uh, Brian and I did discuss once when I um, had visa issues. We had to think about where we were going to live. If we were not going to live in the United States, and he asked me, "Do you want to live in Holland?" I said, "Oh God, no." <laughs> no. So, right. When, uh, when did you move no, to the U.S.? I came here in 1991, and I met by in 1993. And in 2009, soon after I was born, we emigrated to Canada. Okay. Because they then were a lot, a lot more reasonable right. and, and right. pleasant <laughs> to get couples. So we lived there for five years until the last change, and we came back. Interfaith couples usually have these names for holidays that collide. This year we had Eastover, that is Easter and Passover the same day. I was unaware of that. Chrismuka. <laughs> we have like three-year-olds. If we had to say, okay, this holiday is daddy's holiday and the bunny is papa's holiday, that's going to be a little bit confusing. Is that what you did with them when they were little? I think they know Christmas, Easter, that comes from me. and uh, Everything else they hear about from Brian, also from their Brian's family who lives nearby, basically all Jewish. I think in the, in the minds of our kids, I, I think they believe that America is Jewish and Holland is whatever Papa used to be and it's not really anymore. Hanukkah in the evening, Christmas in the morning. The first time you celebrate it, how did you explain it to the kids? I'll tell you, it was pretty easy for me because growing up, you know, I told you that my dad was very proud uh, of his Jewish identity and heritage, but yet we, we celebrated Christmas every year. When I was little, we would have presents waiting for us in front of the fireplace. There, were no, there was no tree, but we, made, we decorated the fireplace with paper stains and other and paper menorahs, et cetera. We'd get a small presents at night for Hanukkah, and then we got several the bigger presents sort of on Christmas whenever Christmas uh, collided with Hanukkah or was very close to it. So it was really easy for, uh, for us to do the same thing because that was my experience growing up. How did you guys meet? You didn't tell us. Uh, Bert has a response to this one. That's <laughs> uh, the oldest story in the world. Boy meets boy at the gym. Oh! Wow, we had the same story. We're familiar with that story. We, I just thought it would, be, it would have been great if you guys had met in the confessional or something with this with the subject of, of what we're talking about. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> to add to uh, the, the previous question, Brian's Jewishness and my Dutchness, for us meant for years, while well, well, the two of us were together, just the two of us, and that for Christmas, we didn't have to do anything. No Christmas presents, no craziness, just uh, uh, maybe a Christmas breakfast, something, and that was it. Christmas presents are not a Jewish thing, and they're certainly not a Dutch thing because we do those things on December 5th. So we had to adopt that American giving presents on Christmas morning and so that's, that's what we do now. Do you speak Dutch to them? Much to my chagrin? No. Oh. 
I have a difficult uh, relationship with my heritage. I'm salivating Dutch, I guess. I love languages, but I certainly do not like Dutch. It reminds me, I think that there is no shortage of gay men who have become, who have not just drifted away from the religion or the culture of their childhood, but have really been repelled by it, often forced away from it by, you know, by, by their families or by their uh, church or synagogue or what have you. Yep. Um, yep. Extremist. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, so I think that what is so fascinating to me is to see how many of them, despite all of that, uh, over the years kind of come to some kind of a uh, compromise with their own history, a compromise with their own tradition, and they say, you know what, the origins of where I came from are not acceptable to me anymore, but I would like to make it my own in some way. And I've seen so many gay men do that, and it's a very special thing to see because there's a kind of beauty in the recreation of your own traditional background that isn't so dissimilar to what you're doing when you make children despite the fact that it does not come naturally either. Correct. We blaze our own trails. Yeah, yeah. Guys, thank you so much. We're, for, we're, we're, for all, this. we're all the Christopher Columbuses. <laughs> oh, <laughs> now listen, you, gotta, you wanna talk about your December 5th? Do a little history reading on Christopher Columbus. Yeah. That was a nasty <laughs> bastard. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for <laughs> your time. Read David Sedaris story. It's, it's called Six Black Men. David Sedaris story. It's, okay. it's about this horrendous. I'm gonna, sure. I am going to look it up because this is fascinating to me. All right, well, thank you. Uh, it was great talking to you guys. I hope this, uh, I hope people find this valuable. Oh, us too. Thank you so thank much. Thank you for so your much, time. guys. Bye bye. You're welcome. Right, take You're care. Welcome. Our pleasure. Bye bye. So I think that um, there was one sentence. First of all, thank you, Ferd. <laughs> thank you, Ferd and Ryan. But there was one sentence that Ferd said that put everything in proportion for me because I found it a little bit vague, the whole issue. It's so big. But then he said something like, if you care so much about your religion, you're probably going to look for a partner in your own religious circle. It kind of puts in perspective the type of people who can actually marry like interfaith. Yeah. With another with another faith. So there are people who care less about it, who are, are more open to, Look, to other religions. I think that we have arrived in a world of three categories when it comes to religion, faith, whatever you want to call it. Um, category one are people who are extremely religious in an orthodox kind of a way. Uh, those people are going to stick to their own because uh, one, they've been commanded to by God or or their or their traditions, and there's really no other way for them to go. On the opposite extreme, there are people who have completely thrown away any connection to religion, and they live in a completely secular world, and they can actually connect with you know each other. Or doesn't matter because there is no faith anymore. Mm -hmm. And then there's the middle ground, which are people who still hold very tightly to the culture of their people or their tradition or culture or what have you. But it is in fact that tie that they need with the, with their partner who they're going to raise children with, even if their partner is of a completely different religion. In other words, what they value is the fact that the person has a connection to their history more than which specific connection it is. You know, there are these they're very large um, interfaith organizations that exist in the world, and they exist because uh, people who come from a lot of these different backgrounds are saying, you know what, I don't want to give up on a connection to my background, mm -hmm. and I am okay sharing with other people the fact that they also have connections to their background. And that's, I think, very much who, who I am, you know. I'm not comfortable with saying my people and my history and their tradition and their culture don't matter. They matter to me tremendously, and, and it has been a source of some 
uh, stress in our relationship that you don't care at all. Mm-hmm. Um, By the way, which group am I out of the three? You're the second group. You're so a group I'm, that I'm has completely the... tossed any kind of tie to uh, your, I don't know, you call it faith, religion, culture, so history. I, I disagree. I think that so there's a must be a fourth one. You've embraced think, a new one. You 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 have something that you consider to be So I I yeah. created my own beliefs. Right. Right? Right. So I don't believe I yeah, I don't believe in God, but I do believe in the universe and law of attraction and and stuff like yeah. this. So it's not to me it's a religion because I treat it the same way. I mean, we don't have holidays, right? But I treat it the same way because it's a It's a collection of beliefs, right? No, I, I completely understand. I guess what I'm saying is it's about history, right? Mine and, uh, and Ferd's and other people's has a history of hundreds or thousands of years. Um, and you're not only holding on to a set of beliefs, you're actually holding on to a history. So to get back to parenting for a minute, what I have found so important to me is... In a very selfish way, when I think about what it means for me to be a father, being a father is about the future. It's about the continuation of who I am into the future and the kind of mark that I can leave on the future by leaving my children behind when I drop dead, right? I think that one of the reasons why religion or culture or tradition suddenly becomes so much more important when you have children is because suddenly you're starting to think about the fact that something that has existed for many, many, many generations before you, you have the opportunity potentially to project into the future. Now, mind right. you, you might fail completely and your children might flip you the bird at some point and say, I'm not interested in any of that. But certainly when I look into my heart, I realize that there's a tremendous power in my desire to see my people and my tradition continue through my kids. Right. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. I mean, for me, because I'm not like, uh, I don't feel the same emotional connection uh, with the heritage and everything. So I think that there is a part of it. I would like my kids to know the holidays and the customs mm-hmm. and, and everything. But I wish they wouldn't know only the Jewish ones. You know what I mean? So sure. if it was up to me, and we, I know that you vetoed this in the house, and you wanted to celebrate... I did celebrate, what now? Vetoed. 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 <laughs> Sorry. Um, Every episode, we give you a little morsel of, of Jan's delightful uh, pronunciations. Sauna. Sauna, yes. So you kind of vetoed this in the house? I did. Um, But if it was up to me, we would celebrate other uh, holidays as well, mm-hmm. like holidays that are not Jewish. Sure. Because I feel that what's really important is the experience of the holiday and the fact that other people celebrate it. And there's so, there is a story behind the holiday, right? Yep. Look, yeah. I mean, conceptually, that sounds so nice. But I will say that there is... There's a World re- peace. But, but it's not. It's not about that. See, I, I, let me just go down this path for a quick second. The reason, I know this is going to sound completely counterintuitive, but the reason why I don't want us to celebrate Christmas in our house and celebrate uh, Kwanzaa and celebrate uh, Diwali and all of this is for diversity. It's because I want diversity. Sounds hypocritical? It isn't. If we want a world full of people who are derived from different cultures, they have to actually embrace their cultures. Otherwise, what we have is one big mush, right? So I want my children to grow up feeling this incredibly strong connection to their people, and I promise you that I want my Catholic friends to grow up with an incredibly strong connection to their people and their history and their tradition as well. And then I want my Catholic friends' children and my children to get together and have a wonderful time loving each other for their differences— That's what I want. But what I don't want and what I don't understand about the society that we're living in in, you know, Los Angeles now is that everybody has decided that they want to be this kind of um, stew of I don't know what. And that's it's fine. They should live their lives in a way that's going to bring them happiness. But what it will not cause is diversity because everybody is going to be ending up being one big mush. I'd love it to be one big mush. I mean, I don't know. It to the universe, we are. To me. It I sounds don't think a little it's boring. boring to me. I like the differences. 
I also want to mention that I salute people who work together, like couples who work together. I don't know how they do it. Yeah, I don't know. We're doing this podcast together, and it's just the divorce papers are being written up <laughs> as we speak. Yeah, I think that uh, if you work together, you must have a couples therapist in hand. <laughs> I mean, I know our friends do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so. you got to have one. You got to have one. You got to have one like in a, in a glass case that you can break at any moment. when things, In the office. When the, when the shit hits the fan. Daddy, that's QR.com. Guys, don't forget that there are a couple of things that you can actually uh, do in your spare time. One is the <laughs> download our um, Father's Gay Git. Father's Gay. Father's Day gift from us. It's the magnificent coloring book for kids with uh, divas for dads. So let your kids color Beyonce and Kylie and Madonna and Cher <laughs> and, and Elton. Elton. Yeah. The biggest diva of them all. <laughs> yep. And also, you, you guys, if you haven't got your dad bought t-shirt, so please. DaddySQR.com slash store. Store. Yeah, yeah, we're selling merch now. Um, also, there, there's another. Is, you know that the, there's another one. There are two t-shirts there. One is the dad bod, and the other one is the Father's Day every single day. Yeah, it is. It's so. <laughs> it really is Father's Day every single day. We're celebrating Father's Day today too. Yeah. Um, so another thing, our season finale uh, is coming up in a few episodes. It is our first um, awards show. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yes. Uh, we will be doing the Daddy Squared Movie Awards um, for the first time. We have uh, some wonderful guests who will be joining joining us to judge. Um, don't judge, but judge. Uh, um, and we have a. Few few categories don't worry not too many of them um and it's not Only a five it's not a six three, actually whatever six. it's not it's not a you know three-hour show like uh the boring boring oscars but anyway uh what we need is we need nominations for the films in these categories from you our listeners our gay dad listeners um so please go to daddysqr.com slash awards and you'll be able to nominate films um or vote if or, the film or that vote. you want to nominate is already there truly this is the most prestigious awards the, <laughs> these films can receive there are all of these i don't know if you those of you who are living in la there are these for your consideration posters up billboards up all over the place and that's all about us that's because they really want people to submit for their films the Gabies, uh, so that they can award be awarded these wonderful statuettes that we will be giving them. And seriously, there's a thought behind uh, this episode is really uh, we want to give the gay dad stamp on movies that we care about and we think that are important and are good for our community and for our kids. Yeah. We also want to show these companies that make the movie, the studios, that we do exist and we do vote and we do influence yeah. in some way about uh, movies and stuff like this, and especially things for kids. So and especially gay dads who, or prospective gay dads, need this list. Because I'll tell you, you know, we didn't have the list, and we went into some rocky territory. I mean, there are certain movies, I don't know, The Exorcist seemed like a perfectly reasonable, no, okay, I'm just kidding. But there are certain, there are certain films that are just so perfect for kids in certain ways, and perfect for kids of gay dads in certain ways, and other films that really just aren't. And we just think that we can provide that lovely value of some gay dads who are our listeners helping other ones uh, into the future of, of sitting in front of the TV. So make your, choice, uh, make your voice be heard and, um, and contribute to, to that really important cause. Yeah, it's an important cause. DaddySQR.com slash awards. Um, and we're going to reveal everything and talk about the results on our finale all will be revealed these are a few of my favorite things so it's back and today i'm going to talk about something that it's not really um it's not good it's a bad thing actually this is your favorite bad thing all yeah. right go for it and it's good for uh, cheat days so as you know oh yes so these are uh from my childhood actually wafers yeah did I say it correctly? You said it beautiful. Way first from my childhood from Israel, um, from a company called Awesome. They now started to uh, manufacture it in America, and this is like the most amazing thing you've ever eaten. You're going to hate me for this. I'm going to put a, a link on our website, on this episode page, so you can actually see how the package looks. I just 
saw them the other day on the pavilions right next to our house and I literally gasped. You know how I gasp I on, on a hot man that goes by? That's the same thing. Like I, yeah. I loudly gasped in the supermarket. So if you want to treat yourself uh, with something really yummy, And it's like crunchy but and sweet and, and not really sweet but it's uh, it melts in your mouth and it's really amazing so go try that and that's my favorite thing for today this is bad but this is good it's badly good I want to thank Ferd and Brian for the interview for today and I want to thank you guys for keeping up with us until now <laughs> please don't forget that we need we, we have we need ideas from you we need thoughts from you we need you You know, we need criticism from you. Just warm, loving criticism from you, like Mother would give. Um, uh, hello at DaddySQR.com or on Instagram at The Gay Dads Podcast. If you guys are fighting over the air conditioning, I think it's kind of the season of talking about it. Let it out. Tell us about it. Alex wants to know that he's not alone in the world. I don't think that 78 degrees Fahrenheit is good. cold okay we'll leave you guys with that and have a good week and have a good fourth of july week happy fourth of july to you americans bye-bye love you guys becoming a dad surrogacy is an amazing way to grow your family circle surrogacy has successfully made the dream of parenthood a reality for gay singles and couples from across the US and around the world for over 20 years the surrogacy process and surrogacy costs can be complex circles experienced staff will partner with you on your path to parenthood Circle Surrogacy was founded on the belief that everyone should have the opportunity to become a parent, and they've helped bring almost 2,000 babies into this world. Circle Surrogacy makes parenthood possible for gay dads. Learn more at CircleSurrogacy.com.